Welcome. The scripture reading today is from 1 Samuel 7, chapter 7, verses 1 through 14, and it's found in your pew Bibles on page 194. And Lord, we ask your blessing on the reading of your word. So the men of Kiriath-Jerim came and took up the ark of the Lord. They took it to Abinadab's house on the hill and consecrated Eleazar his son to guard the ark of the Lord. It was a long time, 20 years in all, that the ark remained at Kiriath-Jerim. And all the people of Israel mourned and sought after the Lord. And Samuel said to the whole house of Israel, If you are returning to the Lord with all your hearts, then rid yourselves of the foreign gods and the Ashtoreths, and commit yourselves to the Lord, and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. So the Israelites put away their Baals and Ashtoreths and served the Lord only. Then Samuel said, Assemble all Israel at Mizpah, and I will intercede with the Lord for you. When they had assembled at Mizpah, they drew water and poured it out before the Lord. On that day they fasted, and there they confessed, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel was leader of Israel at Mizpah. When the Philistines heard that Israel had assembled at Mizpah, the rulers of the Philistines came up to attack them. When the Israelites heard of it, they were afraid because of the Philistines. They said to Samuel, Do not stop crying out to the Lord our God for us, that he may rescue us from the hand of the Philistines. Then Samuel took a suckling lamb and sacrificed it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. He cried out to the Lord on Israel's behalf, and the Lord answered him. While Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to engage Israel in battle. But that day, the Lord thundered with loud thunder against the Philistines and threw them into such a panic that they were routed before the Israelites. The men of Israel rushed out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines, slaughtering them along the way to a point below beth Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen. He named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. So the Philistines were subdued and did not invade Israel's territory again. Throughout Samuel's lifetime, the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines. The towns from Ekron to Gath that the Philistines had captured from Israel were restored to Israel, and Israel delivered the neighboring territory from the power of the Philistines, and there was peace between Israel and the Amorites. I'm not sure if this is too loud or what's going on, but they'll straighten it out. It is my pleasure to be with here with you and thank you today because God has given 
us great a blessing at the city mission is certainly because started and you've blessed us and been with us and I'm just so thankful for you and you come down there different times during the month so I see you all the time all the way from people helping out in every area so thank you kindly for all you've done for the city mission the fruit that is coming forth and there is a lot of fruit today at the rescue mission is also in accredited to your efforts uh, and to the glory of Jesus Christ father we bless we bless this congregation in the name of Jesus Christ, we ask you to bless their pastor as he and his wife are resting and refreshing. And I pray you bless and bring them back with great strength. And we thank you, Lord, for the city mission, the many homeless and needy people, many of them in great despair, will come to know thee with great strength of heart and life and be a changed, transformed group. We just commit that to thee and ask you to bless our time together in the word today. In Jesus' name, amen. I talked with Brian, Pastor Brian, this past couple weeks ago, and we talked about what, what would be good to preach here, and him and I both agreed on this passage, and we both agreed on this message because it fit in with what he was doing in the book of Psalms. The helper of the helpless, and of course that is God. He is the helper of the helpless. Some people think, and many people across the United States think, that the following verse is in the Bible, a verse of prose anyway. God helps those who help themselves. <laughs> Some people say, yeah, that's in the Bible. Well, it's not in the Bible, and it's not really even biblical, is it? In a sense, uh, he does want us to help ourselves where we can and do the best we can and not be slothful. But he came to us in our helpless estate and shed his own blood for our soul. That's what the last hymn of this day will tell you. Our helpless estate, we were not we were not going to save ourselves. We were not going to impress God or merit anything from him for our eternal life. He came to a helpless sort, a group of sinners on this earth that needed him desperately or they would be lost from God forever. And there was not one thing they could do to help themselves out of that. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. And we were uh, helplessly lost. So I am part of that helpless group. And if you know Jesus Christ today, you're part of that helpless group that he helped and gave great help to. But if you're not in Christ Jesus today, I implore you in behalf of Christ, be reconciled. Come home to him today before you leave this room. Very briefly, as we get into this passage of Scripture, we're going to be going through quickly. But it's a passage that shows the helplessness of Israel. They'd suffered for 20 years under Philistine attacks. They had put the tabernacle, as it were, up on a shelf for 20 years. And they hadn't been worshiping. They were polluted by the worship of false gods. And they were serving sin and Satan. But a new prophet was in town. And he had been ministering behind the scenes for 20 years. And his name was Samuel. You know, God raised judges all through the time of the judges where people, everyone did that which was right in their own eyes, i.e. the United States of America. Everyone did that which was right in their own eyes. But the Bible allowed the word of God still to have a place. The new prophet was this young Samuel who came up in the temple and the Bible says the word of the Lord was rare in those days. 
There was not a bit of scripture being preached by anybody. And Eli and his two wicked sons had crashed the priesthood into the ground. And now this new leader, this new wonderful man of God, the Bible says the Lord was with Samuel as he grew up and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba recognized that Samuel was attested to as a prophet of the Lord. And he continued to appear at Shiloh and revealed himself through to Samuel through his word. You can find that in 1 Samuel 3. But I can tell you this, that they knew a man of God was on the scene. They had seen what a man of God should be now, and they had watched what Eli and his sons were, despicable, wretched creatures. And now he was there. 20 years with God on the shelf, 20 years away from him. You know what 20 years away from God can do in your life? Maybe you've been away. I don't know all of you in this room. In fact, I know very, I, I know less and less of you. But I can tell you this, that when any time spent away from God is a bad thing. Things mount up and people get in trouble and things, you just drift further and further away. Four points today. The first point is the remorse of the helpless. Yes, I'm helpless, but now I finally know I am. The remorse of the helpless. The Bible says here, and then uh, the later versions of the NIV, the earlier versions had some other word, but I, I, I just listened to the newest version here. It says that they mourned for the Lord. The people of God lamented for the Lord. They finally missed God. They had had him on a shelf, so to speak. And the misery of their life and the misery of the Philistines beating them and beating them and beating them, finally, they said, Lord, we're beat up. We're sick and tired. And we remember the days when you were ruling us, when we were worshiping. We remember what God was in our lives, and we were, we're coming back. We are lamenting. The Hebrew word, and I won't use a lot of Hebrew words today, but this one here I studied, and I said, Naha, 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 mourning and weeping. And they came to him, and they were sad. It wasn't just like, ah, oh, come on, we'll see if he's got anything better. It was a mourning. They had been away from him, and there's only one that can satisfy the longings of a wandering heart, and that's God and his son, Jesus Christ. If you're wandering from him today, I don't care what you put in place of him, it will not fill that void. Come home to him today. The remorse of the helpless, they lamented for God. They missed him because godly sorrow brings repentance. They looked to the Lord after 20 years. There's a parable in the New Testament of a young man who had spent all that he had and he was feeding pigs and he was so hungry. Finally, one day he said, people in my father's house have it so much better. And I remember back when I was in my father's house, I'm going to go back to my father. And you know what happened? The prodigal came home and when he came home, his father invited him in and loved and blessed him because that's what kind of a God we worship. He worships uh, he, he welcomes home the prodigals. There's a saying that I use with the men sometimes. Sin will take you further than you ever wanted to go. Sin will keep you longer than you ever planned to stay. And sin will cost you more than you ever thought you would pay. And that's proven over and over and over again in the life of people. And if you're there today, come home. Come home to him. I love the verse of Scripture in 
Psalm 50, 15, he says, Call on me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. He says, Call unto me. I know you're in trouble. Well, I'm up here. I want you to call me. Call me. I will help you. I am the helper of the helpless. Remorse of the helpless. And until I see remorse, I know there's not a lot can be done into a life for God. And sometimes I'll have people at the city mission over the last 33 years that are literally sobbing at the altar. And I realize that God is doing a work in their heart. Others, I'll notice that this repentance is kind of like what the Bible calls false repentance. They're sorry they got caught or they're sorry of their circumstance, but they're not sorry that they hurt the heart of God. And boy, when you lament your relationship with God and what you've done to him, that'll change the whole playing field. The remorse of the helpless. But it has to be followed up secondarily here to the second point, which is the repentance of the helpless. They sought counsel from God. I I think this is a great place to start, don't you? (laughs) You try everything else, the opinions of the day, everything. Everybody did that which was right in their own eyes. Our country is that way. We've got the United States Supreme Court in the next two months is going to decide whether or not traditional marriage between a man and a woman is a good thing or whether they need to change it. And I'm thinking, Lord, you, the guys ought to just get the Bible out and they ought to have a Bible study at the, at the United States Supreme Court and they ought to believe it's the word of God. And, and if that happens, we will rejoice. There will be revival in this land. When the word of God is recognized, they came to Samuel and they said, Samuel, we're beat, we're beat, we're beat. We need God and we need what his word says. And you're the only one that right now in this age connected to him. And we need you to direct us by his word. I thought, hey, praise the Lord. That's a great start. The repentance of the helpless. They sought counsel from God. Well, his counsel was pretty strong stuff. (laughs) He said, if you are returning to the Lord with all your hearts, (laughs) I thought, yeah, that's a good place to start. God doesn't want you coming back with half a heart, a quarter of a heart, a third of a heart. God, I'll tell you what, God, I'm going to give you this part of my life, and this part's mine. You stay out of that area, but this is mine. I'll do what I want, and then you can have this piece. God doesn't like divided hearts. He's either master of all or he's not master at all. And he said to them, if you are coming back, I love that there's a participle there, and I I want to get grammatical here on you, but there's a wonderful participle there. Are you coming? He said, if you're coming back, and and it, it just implied that they were coming back, their hearts were coming back, they were on their way home. He says, but there's some stuff you got, some baggage. Did God ever tell you to get rid of your baggage? I love the story, the allegory, Pilgrim's Progress. (laughs) Pilgrim's got this knapsack on his back. It represents all of his sin, and he's coming up the hill of Calvary, and he's climbing that hill, and he sees the cross of one dying for him. And all of a sudden in the book, the knapsack full of sin rolls off off his back. And it rolls down the hill and it rolls into an empty tomb, John Bunyan said. And I never saw it again. I'm thinking, hallelujah. But they were coming back and there was some baggage. He said, if you're coming back with a full heart, remove the foreign gods. You would go into a typical Israelite home and there would be a statue of Baal. 
who was the storm god, representing the male side of godism of the Canaanites. And then there was the asterisk, which they were the female consort to the gods. And when you went to worship them, you would worship them in the most perverted, nasty ways imaginable. It involved temple prostitution. It involved all kinds of nasty stuff. And Israelites were in it up to their elbows. He said, you're coming home, but I want, first of all, you to have a whole heart. When you come to the Lord, you make sure he gets everything. And secondarily, I want the baggage out. You can't serve God and that at the same time. And I don't think uh, that there was a problem with that. But true repentance must show. It just must show. If you're going to do a 180, I'm living for sin, I'm walking for sin, you're going to do a 180 and go to the Lord. You better do a 180 and leave the junk behind and leave sin there and come towards him. And so that's where they were. So serve God wholeheartedly. Remove the foreign gods. Get rid of the stuff. I don't know what you're holding on to and what I'm holding on to. Let go. Let go. Just say, Lord, I'm done. And you'll have to fight that battle over and over again as sanctification is going on in your life. But you will have victory in Jesus Christ. You'll look different. I remember the story of Stuart Hamlin who wrote the song, It is no secret what God can do. What he's done for others, he'll do for you. He, he used to go out with his, his blue ticks and, or his hound dogs and they'd go coon hunting. And when he was in his old days before Christ, he'd curse and swear and, and say most vile language to those dogs. And they knew what he, he got him used to, that vile language. And then he became a believer in Jesus Christ and was writing Christian songs. And he was not. He decided the filthy language had to go. And he went out hunting with those dogs and started the new commands in Christ. They hadn't had a clue. Those dogs literally sat there looking up at him and said, what language are you speaking? <laughs> Something with the family dog knows that you, you know the Lord. <laughs> Thinking, oh, Lord, or the family cat, if you have one. <laughs> Expect help from the Lord. He says, if you do this, if you serve him with everything in your heart, and if you serve him and not serve Baal, if you're serving him, you're coming home, he says, he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. I'm giving you a promise. You know, there's promises all over the New Testament and Old Testament. It say, if you'll serve the Lord, if you'll put him first, there's promises. You can look them up. We'd be here all day long and all next week looking at the promises of God to reward your faithfulness to him. And you know what? I love what happened. <laughs> so the Israelites put away their Baals and Asterisks and served the Lord only. Excuse me? What, what did they do? They said they'd go away and think about it. They said they'd take a few more years in the slime of sin. Because you can't stay in the pigsty and go home to see the Father. So what did they say? A-OK, -A Samuel, we're done. It, the nonsense stops now. Who said you can't make a decision to do what God says soon? Why does it have to be a procrastination? Maybe you're procrastinating today and you're saying, Lord, I'm going to get to that. I'm going to get to that. You've been pointing it out in my heart by your spirit, but I'm going to get to it someday. These people said, we had enough. We're sick and tired of being sick and tired. The third thing, quickly, the recommitment of the helpless. All right? He said, assemble all Israel, in verse 5, at Mizpah, and I will intercede for the Lord. This week was a national day of prayer. 
and I was at the prayer service in Albany, and it was good to hear politicians and others praying. We've got to start, and we've got to pray. And I want to tell you that without prayer, we're going to be in trouble in this nation. And without prayer in your own life and in my life and in the life of this church, the Bible says in Psalm 99, verse 6, Moses and Aaron were among his priests. Samuel also called on his name, and they cried to the Lord for help, and he answered them. Recommitment. So Samuel says, okay, we're going to have a net. He said, you guys haven't, you haven't been to church in a long time. <laughs> we haven't had any, the temple, the tabernacle has been up on a shelf Some believe that this was the first time maybe they met for the Feast of Tabernacles and they had Yom Kippur, the day of covering, the day of national confession and forgiveness of sin. And it very well may have been. So he said, come on up, we're going to meet on top of a big mountain. They went up to the very edge of the tribe of Benjamin's territory at Mount Mizpah. And they were up there and they were going to have a major reawakening and a a national dedication of their hearts back to God. And this is wonderful. I'd love to have been there that day. The Bible says on that day they fasted and they confessed and they said we've sinned against God. Glad they fasted. God became more important than all the other things in their lives. I'm glad they verbalized their sin. Sometimes you've got to... I used to have parole officers just say to me, hey, tell that boy over there, Reverend Jones, that confession's good for the soul. Because <laughs> you have these guys that were, they were trying to nail him for a crime and they were lying. <laughs> and probation, he would come to me and tell me, and I'd say to him, you know what, your parole officer just said confession is good for the soul. <laughs> so start fessing up. <laughs> they gathered for confession and they said, Lord, forgive us. What have we been doing for the last 20 years? We have been totally away from you living, and and we've had these nasty, awful shrines in our yards, and we have sold ourselves out to everything else, and idols don't have to be statues in your yard and statues in shrine prostitution centers. These can be anything from, you know, pride to possessions to our own time and pleasures, whatever it is that you put before God is an idol. And then they poured out water, which happened on the Feast of the Tabernacles, why some people believe that, showing, pouring out ourselves humbly before God. Lord, I'm just giving myself to thee. I'm pouring myself out to thee. And it's a refreshing thing for that to happen. And they gathered for leadership. Samuel was serving as their leader on top of the mountain. You know what's great to be able to have a pastor who tells you the word of God and leaders who love you and pray for you? Let me be there. Then places where I think we have a country that needs to come home to God. We just do. They gathered under the new preacher, Samuel, who walked before God with such power and holiness that his entire life was a blessing to Israel. He led them into revival. This You are looking today at what a revival looks like, and we can have one too in this nation through prayer and dedication and wholeness to God. You can have a revival in your life by following what you're hearing today from Scripture and watching them go through it. Our nation terribly needs revival. The restoration of the helpless, our last point. Well, the enemy pursued them. 
You don't think the enemy gives up easy, do you? When the Philistines heard that Israel had assembled at Mizpah, the rulers of the Philistines came up to attack them. Old enemies die hard. (laughs) Guys with addictions. And some of our guys have had 10 years straight from heroin and crack. And by the way, heroin addiction is the worst it's ever been in the history of my working at the city mission. Heroin on the streets of Albany is running like water. It's less costly than just going to buy a a bottle of Jack Daniels. It's nasty stuff, and Satan knows how to pump it at us. And it'll destroy, and it's destroying some of our best young people. And I'm not talking about people coming to a city mission, but people in our high schools and people in our communities. We need to pray against it. We need to be a blessing and do all we can. But the enemy pursued. They were coming up on them. They don't give up easy, but God doesn't give up either, and he's the helper of the helpless. In fact, he was going to be there. When the Israelites heard of it, they were afraid, but they said, don't stop praying now, preacher. Don't stop praying and crying out to the Lord our God for us, that he may rescue us from the hand of the Philistines. We've given our hearts fully to God. We've torn down the nasty stuff that was in our lives and the idolatry, but we came and we're depending on prayer, but preacher... Do your best praying, man. Did anybody ever tell you that? I was on the mountain the other day, and I, a Friday, I climbed Black Dome Mountain in Hensonville, Maple Crest, because I got to get these old jeans moving. And I was moving. It was a five-hour climb. But all the way up and down, God gave me people to witness to. <laughs> Once this guy was talking to me, he said, so you're preaching somewhere? I don't remember totally where I was. He said, give me the four, give me, give me a, just a snapshot, bing, bang, I want to hear your message. Now, tell me if somebody told you that on the mountain trail, said, just, I just want to, just a brief bam. I said, Lord, <laughs> this don't beat all. So I told him that Jesus was God's son, that he went to the cross and he died for us because we're sinners and we can't save ourselves. And if we will receive him and ask him to save us, he'll save us and we'll have eternal life as a gift. <laughs> a few other things. <laughs> and how God could help him. And my brother who doesn't, uh, know the Lord at this point, looked at me, he was with me, he said, wow, I was, I was happy to be with those conversations you were having. You just never know where you're going to be talking. There was another young girl up there, 25, I know she was headed for trouble, she's a bartender, gave her a New Testament, she's on top of the hill, pretty little lady, 25, just looking for all the wrong thing in all the wrong places. So you pray for her, her name is Birdie, really Catherine, gave her a Gave her one of those pocket testament. We got to get moving here. <laughs> the prophet leads them into victory. A couple things that he did. He sacrificed the lamb. He took a suckling lamb, seven days off its mother. Took the whole lamb, the whole sacrifice, the whole burnt offering, and he lays it on the altar. And they sacrifice and burn this lamb up to God. I'm going to say, I was reading this, I'm thinking, Jesus, you showed up. (laughs) Jesus, you're there. He's a picture of the Lamb of God, sacrificed for us. You bring out that. You bring out power in Jesus Christ. It transforms souls. It blesses your life. You cannot be the same when the blood of Jesus Christ is applied to your life by the Holy Spirit. Get out of the way. Jesus is coming. If you haven't had that in your life, open it up. Don't leave this room today without the transforming power of Jesus Christ. The Lamb of God is right there with them. 
And each sacrifice is a picture of the fact that it won't be what you guys do. It won't be your might. It won't be your smartness. It won't be your power as a warrior. It will be the Lamb who will lead you to victory. Thank you, Lord. And he kept praying for the people. Hebrews says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. And the Bible says God thundered that day with a loud thunder. He threw them in such a panic that they were routed. They ran down the hill, and the men of Israel, they rushed them, pursued the Philistines, slaughtering them all the way down into the meadow underneath the mountain called beth Beth Car, which is house of the lamb. <laughs> They've just sacrificed the lamb, and they finish them off down at Beth Car, the house of the lamb. I'm glad the lamb of God shows up in my life. Make him your savior today, if you don't know him. The victory is complete. The enemy is subdued. They stopped invading. We heard that. But then the victory is celebrated, and we need to celebrate victories. Who said Christians are a bunch of old dull heads? that don't know anything and no joy with Presbyterian suits on and scowly faces. We can celebrate, and we can celebrate the victory. So Samuel puts this stone up. He says, well, every time you see that stone, you're going to be reminded that God helps the helpless. It's Ebenezer. Eben, which is a stone. Ezer, which is help. Eben, the stone of our help. The rock of ages. God's, he is the help. And he says, up until this day, he's helped me. And if you're 75 years old today, I hope you can say, you know, I'm 75 or I'm 65 or I'm 40 or I'm 25. Today, I can look back and say all the way till right now, God has helped me. And because this stone is there, I know he's going to help me in the beginning. I'm always going to remind myself to call on him. I love this stone, Ebenezer. Here I lift my Ebenezer, the hymn says, telling people God helps me. God helps me. There's many things in your life that memorialize where God has helped you. I, I trust you have many of them. Sometimes they're a place. Sometimes they're a thing. Sometimes they're as a person. As you look at that person and say, thank you, Jesus, because that person could have been taken from me, and I prayed, and you didn't let them be taken from me, and they're with me, and I praise you for that memorial. Or some other thing in your own life is God's healed or blessed and helped you. Oh, Lord, thank you for my Ebenezer's, my stones of help. We see him put stones up all throughout the New Testament, excuse me, all throughout the Old Testament to memorialize and say, God is my help. In conclusion, don't fear because God is with you. He helps the helpless. I will strengthen you, he says. Fear not, I am with you. Be not dismayed, I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's his promise. It's Isaiah 41.10. Praise God. He saved you when you were helpless. Be God's helper to another person. The apostle Paul said, a certain man of Macedonia came over to Mac- from Macedonia, and he said, help me, help me. And, and Paul dealt with the Macedonian call, didn't he? He saw this man in his vision calling for help. Many people are calling for help this week, and you'll be there to help them because Jesus has helped you. And you'll say, I can pray with you. There's nothing else I can do. I can intercede for you. I can come alongside you and tell you about the good news. We're out of time. (laughs) 
Let's pray with me. If you don't know Christ today, the biggest help he can give you is to save your soul and to put you in eternal life as a gift. And if you know him, continue to call upon him for help to be the best you can be and then offer that help. Father Jesus, we thank you. Lord, there might be a soul here today that says, I've been wandering just like those Israelites. And Lord, I'm sorry I've offended you. I'm lamenting, I'm mourning. Because what I've been has hurt you, Lord, and I'm coming home. I'm getting, coming home with a full heart. I'm turning from my sin, and I'm asking you to save me and be my Savior. You died for me, Son of God. You rose again, and you said, if uh, I will put my faith in you, you will save me. I won't perish. I'll have everlasting life. And right now, I don't know everything, but I ask you, Jesus Christ, Son of God, save me. And I will follow thee for the rest of my life. And you will be my helper. And I will offer help to others. Lord, help us to find somebody this week that's crying out and says, help me, help me. And let's help them, Lord, with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ in whatever ways you show us. Bless this congregation. Thank you, O helper of the helpless. You help me in my helpless estate. Amen.